Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 67. I want to uh, build the structure of Psalm 67 together in our minds so that when I read this psalm, we can see just how beautifully it falls off the page and makes the point that the psalmist is trying to make. This psalm, we've talked about this before, is a chiasm. That's a, that's a kind of Hebrew form of poetry that builds the argument to the center. So the center of the psalm is the biggest point. So you, you repeat the first point at the beginning and end, and then you make another point and repeat that on either side of the climax. And then at the very center of the psalm, in verse 4, you hear the entire point of the psalm. And we're going to see that, that chiasm build. This is not like we do in uh, a term paper that we're writing, where in Western logic we like to build the main point at the end and then finish the paper. This is more like reading a Tolkien novel where everything gets resolved and you still have 200 pages to read of the thing to get done. Um, but you'll see the way it works in poetry to build this at the center. And so the, the Psalm 67's chiasm is, we're going to begin and end with a prayer for blessing. And then we're going to move to the next tier, and this is a prayer for all people's praise. So that's going to straddle the very center, which is a prayer for God's perfect messianic rule. We're going to see it build to this point, and we're going to see it recede from this point. And the entire point of Psalm 67, the thesis of Psalm 67 is this, God's blessing on believers becomes an attractive witness to unbelievers and anticipates joining both the believer and unbeliever in God's perfect messianic rule. Now, if I was writing a seminary paper, that's what I would say. If I was just talking to you guys, I'd say the point of this psalm is God blesses you to bless your neighbor so that all of us can live happily ever after in his kingdom. That's what Psalm 67 says. Let me read it for us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray together. God, what an invitation to ask for your blessing. We get so timid around some of the greatest promises you make to us. And so I pray that this morning you would make us a bold people willing to pray the prayer of Psalm 67, that you will bless us and make your face to shine upon us, that all the peoples might know you. Give us courage to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we said that we're going to begin and end in the same place in this psalm, and that is a prayer for blessing. And we see that in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That's the same place that we end at the end of the psalm in verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. So the psalmist is praying here, Bless us, bless us, bless us, make us healthy, make us wealthy, make us wise, protect us, bless this community that we have together. That sounds a little odd, doesn't it? How is this different, what the psalmist is talking about, from the health and wealth 
gospel, false gospel that we decry. Because the psalmist is staying here and leading his people to say, bless us God, make us wealthy, make us healthy, make us wise. How is that different than the health and wealth gospel? There are wolves in tailored Armani sheep's clothing today who will get up in a pulpit this morning and preach this false gospel of health and wealth. That, that God wants to make you wealthy. That he will do that according to the measure of your faith. And if you will just put a little something in the offering plate, you're going to see that happen. Right? That's happening in our city this morning. And we'll quickly see from Psalm 67 that seeking a blessing as an end in itself that's completely unqualified has nothing to do with what Psalm 67 is talking about. Those are two totally different worldviews, and that will become apparent as we walk through Psalm 67. But even then, we need to ask the question, how does a psalm like Psalm 67 jive with the rest of our Bibles? Because Psalm 67 seems to be saying, the way to world evangelization is for Christian communities to pursue with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength God's blessing and prosperity. And that doesn't sound like things that we read and say the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, doesn't Jesus say... Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you want to come after me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. How can Psalm 67 and Matthew 8 fit in the same Bible? Well, I want to very simply answer that by saying our Bibles run deep. They speak with a hundred voices, and they all speak and sing a harmony that are different parts of a whole. They're unified, but they are wildly different. Do not try to mash Psalm 67 into Matthew 8 and make them say one and the same thing. They're not saying the same thing. They're singing a harmony together, and the deep student of the Bible will be able to listen to each voice clearly in its own right. If, if what we did here this morning was grabbed Matthew 8 and grabbed Psalm 67 and grabbed Job and Luke and Paul and Moses and heard them all at once, my fear is Psalm 67 would never get a word in edgewise, right? We would never hear this psalm for what it is. I think there's great value in taking the whole of our Bible and hearing what it has to say about any one topic, So you can sit down to your Bible and say, what does our Bible say about blessing? And work your way through the whole of it and understand that. That's called systematic theology. That's a a very real way to study our Bible, and that's a good thing to do. That's not what we're going to do this morning. This morning, we're going to let Psalm 67 speak for itself. Psalm 67 has the mic this morning, and it's going to speak, and we're going to listen to its voice. And when we do that, that's called biblical theology. Let every voice in the Bible speak for itself. It's also called expositional preaching, right? Expository preaching. We are listening to what this psalm is going to say. So I want us to have the the diligence to study Psalm 67 in its own right, the voice that it's adding to the Bible. Psalm 10 taught us that Christians will suffer unspeakable suffering And that can be a profound way in which other people can know about Jesus. Psalm 51 said something very different and added to that chorus. It said that Christians will sin against God. And as we understand the road to repentance, as we confess our sins to God, other people who don't know Jesus will know Jesus because of that. 
They'll see a God who receives forgiveness. And we add that voice to the chorus. Psalm 67 adds yet another voice. It says, you know what? As we pray for blessing and as God blesses us, that's going to bless our neighbors so that all of us will live happily ever after in his kingdom. And the first step to get there is to ask God for blessing. And so the psalmist prays, not bless me, but bless us. Bless us as a community. This prayer that he's making in Psalm 67 is not a new one. It happened uh, back in Numbers. You'll remember that God gave this prayer to Aaron and his fellow priests that they could pray it together and ask for God's blessing. And when they did that, God said, I'm going to bless my people. Number six says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. When we pray this prayer as a people, God intends to answer this prayer and bless us to do what he says. As we're going to see in points two and three of the chiasm, blessed people are attractive people. What Psalm 67 is trying to say is that community prosperity equals evangelistic prosperity. There's a tie between us being blessed as a people and us becoming a blessing. Blessed people bless people. I know that sounds like a hokey bumper sticker, but I'm telling you, that's what Psalm 67 is saying. As we experience this blessing, we can't help, as believers, become a blessing to other people. Now, when we talk about blessing, we are talking about two things. Inner blessing, for sure. We are absolutely talking about the inner blessing of a believer. The peace, the security, the joy. Later in the psalm, we're going to hear about about joy and spontaneous singing. There's inner blessing to be had that has nothing to do with circumstance. That's a blessing that we have as believers. But we're also talking about outer blessing. Isn't that what verse 6 is talking about? The earth yielding its increase. This is a return on our investments. Don't be so pious as a Christian that you only pray for internal blessing and dismiss external blessing because the psalm is talking about both of those things. I want this Christian community to be blessed in both of these ways. Now to hear that there is external blessing to be had is wonderful news for people who spend most of their waking hours outside the four walls of a church. Because if you do that, if you have a job, if you have a home, if you have a family, if you have a hobby, if you have an act of service, Psalm 67 is saying that is a valuable investment in its own right. It's not just what you do in your prayer closet. It's not just what you do on Sunday morning when we gather as a church. When you pursue this prosperous life, that's a good thing in its own right. That's a good and a wonderful thing. If we realize that God takes this blessing and channels it through our community of of believers... It will extend to the city of Columbia and beyond, and God will use that to make us a winsome witness to people around us. That's what the movement of this blessing is doing in this psalm. If that's true, can we not as a people pray boldly for blessing? Do we do that? Can we do that? Can we pray that we as a community of people will be blessed by God internally and externally? Can we pray that boldly, knowing that that is actually an evangelistic prayer? If that's the life that God wants for us, then for the glory of God 
and for the good of our neighbor, let us be the best employer and employee we can be, right? Let us strive for excellence. Let us be diligent in our workplaces. Let us do all of these things for the glory of God. Let us be the best employer and the best employee we can be. If this is all true for the glory of God and the good of our neighbor, let us be the best homemaker that we can be. If you have a home, make it a place of peace. Make it a place of rest. Make it a place of beauty in its own right. And then welcome people into that. That is a blessing you experience that you extend to people around you. Be a well-rounded person. Have interests that are not just at work and at home and not just theology. Do something that's interesting. Hit a golf ball, plant a garden, go to the ladies' night photography of class, be an interesting person that's living in this world with both of your feet on the ground because you're not just communicating there is a God, you're telling people what kind of God there is. For the glory of God and the good of your neighbor, for crying out loud, get eight hours of sleep at night. There's nothing compelling about cranky, tired, sitcom-saturated zombies walking around. Turn off the TV and go to bed and get eight hours of sleep at night and experience the blessing that God has for you so that you might be a blessing. Pay attention to your money. Stick to a family budget. Do not go into debt. Reserve money that you can save and don't just bury it in the backyard. At least invest it in a Vanguard indexed fund. But whatever you do, seek prosperity with your money. How can we be generous with the poor if we're up to our eyeballs in credit card debt? We begin to see this intuitively that as we seek this multi-dimensional blessing that God has for us in this world... We become agents and vehicles and channels of blessing to people around us. This is not the health and wealth gospel. This is not a guarantee that according to our faith, we will experience financial prosperity. Whether we make six figures or no figures, we can experience and strive and work diligently towards blessing. Can we not do that? No matter where the Lord has placed us, that is his calling on our life wherever we are and whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God and we experience his blessing as we do that. Now, now the psalm is building. That's the, that's the beginning and the end of the psalm that you pray for this blessing for our community because that brings us to a very specific aim that's going to be repeated twice in verses 3 and verses 5 lest we begin to think that this blessing is for us and only us. Lest we get comfortable with this blessing and think that it's an end in its own right and it's just for us, the psalmist says twice, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In the same way that repentance and suffering can show others who God is, a community seeking blessing can point to God. If we're walking around like disembodied souls, counting only what we do in our quiet time or on Sunday morning as the real spiritual work that we're up to, how is our neighbor ever going to know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? When we walk in this world with two feet on the ground, we not only tell people there is a God, we tell them what kind of God he is, and he is a God in whom the whole world is his. And he made it, and it's very good, and it's returned to him in worship in what we do in our lives. 
blessing, prosperity, peace, they all invite our neighbors around us to experience our experience with the living God. They show a neighbor what our Lord is like. And so we build, we pray for this blessing, we extend this blessing to the neighbors around us so that we get to the center of this psalm in verse 4, which is the center of the cosmos itself, that King Jesus would reconcile the entire world to himself and reign supremely. That's where everything is headed. That's where all of this is headed. Whether you get eight hours of sleep at night, whether you spend time with your family, whether you work hard in your workplace, whether you speak to your neighbor across the fence about the gospel, every iota of this world is working toward this one great aim in Psalm 67.4, that the world would be reconciled to Jesus. Now, the psalmist could have said this another way. He could have said the aim of the entire world is for everybody to be converted. He could have said the aim of this world is for everybody to be born again. Now, both of those are theologically true, right? God is is beckoning people to himself. He wants people to know him. But when the poet-theologian thinks about the new heavens and the new earth, when he imagines all of the cosmos being drawn up together under the perfect reign of the Messiah, what does he picture? Verse 4, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. When the psalmist looks out at this new heavens and new earth, he sees people who are happy and who break out in spontaneous singing. What a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. What what an idea about what this world is leading to. This is the world that God intends. This is the world that God is bringing. And this is the world that we as believers experience here and now. We are a foretaste of these things that are coming. If this is the eschatological vision of the world, this is the end times vision, this is where the world is heading in verse 4, the gladness, the spontaneous and joyful singing of everybody on earth, how are we going to get there without a strong dose of gladness and spontaneous singing here and now? How are we going to get there? How are we going to unveil that vision for our neighbor who doesn't know Jesus unless we draw them into that kind of worship, that kind of gladness, that kind of singing here and now? I guarantee you, I promise you, as fellow believers in this community, the more we read Psalm 67, the more we are emboldened by this prayer here, and we see the connection between community blessing in this church and in our family and in our neighborhood leads to a kind of blessing that extends to our neighbor, and both of those work together to see people drawn into God's kingdom the more boldly we are going to pray this prayer for each other and the more diligently we are going to work for prosperity in this community. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, embolden us. We get timid around these prayers and we need to pull out Psalm 67 and pray your words back to you because you ask us to ask boldly that you would bless us and to protect us, and to cause your face to shine upon us, that we might be a blessing to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray and we plead for that vision, that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. 
And we ask this in your name. Amen.